Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tuesday Crew here on 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. Eddie Kalegi here. We got Brett Hahn. Ellis Gordon's back in person, and Amir Lighty is here for the first time uh, on Tuesday Crew. A lot to get to. We only have a 45-minute show today, but... Some topics to get to after that. We'll be sending it out to Evanston for Rutgers men's basketball. Jake Schmid and Gideon Fox will have the calls. The Scarlet Knights face off with the Northwestern Wildcats. But guys, let's jump in right right into it because we don't have a lot of time. And I think it's a good time to get started with Tom Brady. It is officially official. Adam Schefter tried to do it about three days early. But Tom Brady has announced it himself. He is retiring after 22 22 seasons, seven Super Bowl championships. Just an incredible career. Many people consider him the goat I agree with that just an illustrious career and I'll go to Brett first I mean I can't really imagine the NFL without him no this is a sad day for football um I was hoping once Schefter's or Schefter's report uh, originally got disputed that he was going to come back for that comeback tour season or uh, farewell tour season I'm sorry that we were alluding to here in studio last week but unfortunately that did not happen um, he's got, it's like Eddie said, he's got seven Super Bowl championships, 22 years in the NFL. And last year, even in his last season, you know, you know, he, he led the league in passing yards, led the league in touchdown or not passing yards, led the league in passing touchdowns. He was top five in yards. He nearly reminded us of that Patriots Falcons Super Bowl in his last game. So, you know, it, it's good to see him go out on top, but it is hard to envision an NFL without him since we've seen him our entire lives. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm 18 years old going on 19, so my entire life I've just known that Tom Brady was going to win at least 11 games every season and get pretty far in the playoffs, but it's a great ending to his career, great final season. A lot of people are going to think, what if? He probably had some more in the tank, but you could sense from the last couple weeks with how he was speaking on his podcast that he really wanted to focus, you know, on his family life and moving forwards, and, you know, he wanted to be there for his kids. So, uh, Amir, how about you? Your first reaction to the Tom Brady news and just the legacy of TV 12 man first of all y'all got me y'all got me a little sad because you got me a little sad you talking about your 18 turn on 19 I feel old as what about to be 23 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man I've been I've been doing the same thing I've been watching him my whole life so you know this is this is crazy to me and honestly I've always you know bust his bust his chops and everything saying he's not the go uh, Aaron Rodgers is my go but you know when it's time is now that he's finally retired, I have to admit that he is the go to football. He's the go to sports right now. Um, I mean, it's just been an amazing, amazing time watching him. It's been amazing. You know, I think this is a you know a great decision. You know, it's not like he had to prolong him trying to become a goat or anything any longer. Like he's been the goat. He's been the goat since ever since that Rams uh, Super Bowl. Ever since he got that seventh, I think six actually. He's been the GOAT, so to me, man, it's definitely a sad day to see see him go, but, you know, I think he did the right choice, focus on family, focus on what he has to get into, and um, I hope he stays safe and, you know, we do everything we can possible not to, you know, rest in peace to Kobe, lose another uh, legend early. Yeah, definitely, and Ellis, let's talk about 
Uh, yes, he won seven Super Bowls, but we do know he lost three, and it even got a little contentious in our WRSU group chat this oh, morning. Oh, yeah. Because me and Amir are a little more supportive of Nick Foles and his big accomplishment, but I know Ellis is a Giants fan, and a lot of Giants fans are pretty proud of the fact that Eli Manning did win both of his Super Bowl matchups with Tom Brady, but overall, as a Giants fan, your perspective on the end to Tom Brady's illustrious career. Yeah, I think my perspective comes more as an NFL fan, where, of course, I hated Tom Brady. He like I I hated Tom Brady, but like obviously I respected him. I respected the hell of him, and it's gonna be. Listen, it's gonna be. I gotta say, it's gonna be like sad. I got not to see him play. Like, I I in one hand it's kind of nice not to see him, not to see him win a Super Bowl like, on his turn. Like go out on his terms. Like it feels like good revenge, but you know as a Giants fan too, we're we're two zero against him, so we don't really need the revenge. But as much as I hated him, I liked hating him. I liked having him there to hate. So it'll be sad, but it's now, it's officially the signal of a new generation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With QBs, yeah, is. yeah, with both Brady and Roethlisberger gone, like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers and I guess Matt Ryan are the only quarterbacks left of that old guard. It's a new era for sure, and we're really seeing it now with Joe Burrow, of course, stepping up and getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, Matthew Stafford finally getting to make his first Super Bowl. So it's a lot of changeover in the NFL, but, uh, uh, you know, there were, the time was going to come, and Tom Brady clearly proved himself. Tom versus time. I mean, he was the real winner. He, he still had one of his best seasons, arguably his best statistical season at 44 years old. And now we just wonder what direction the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be heading going forward. So uh, I'm going to be very interested to see what goes on uh, moving forwards here with Tom Brady. Uh, it's just crazy because y y you always thought every time he won a Super Bowl, he can just win one more. I mean, three to four, four to five, five to six, and then he gets up to seven. Uh, and people thought, okay, he's going to go and try to chase eight. And a lot of people thought with the way that Rams game ended, maybe he was going to come back and try to go one more time. But uh, And especially since he had said he wanted to play till he was 45, he almost got there, but still at the top of his game at 44. Can't fault him for that. And best of luck moving forwards for Tom. But let's talk about his former coach, Bill Belichick, because, because Bill Belichick doesn't know how to check his contacts contacts and make sure he's texting the right Brian Brian Flores is now suing the NFL and the New York Giants as a lot of drama is now surrounding the Brian Dable hiring that basically the accusation Bill Belichick congratulated Brian Dable on be be becoming head coach but he accidentally texted Brian Flores and this was before Flores was even given his interview with the Giants which uh looking at the candidates a lot of people are starting to think he was only there because of the Rooney rule, and we know that has had a lot of controversy with it in the past as well. And there is only one African-American head coach under contract right now, and that's Mike Tomlin. And ironically, it's actually fewer than there were in 1990 when they instituted the Rooney rule. So clearly it hasn't really paid off that much at all. And now you have Brian Flores very upset with the circumstances about the Dolphins as well, paying him to lose allegedly. Then he had another thing about John Elway and the Broncos that were not prepared and gave him a very short interview in 2019 when they hired Vic Fangio. So I'm going to go to Amir first on this one. It, it's it's really frustrating to see all this happening. And I mean, Brian Flores has some compelling points, but really not a surprise. And we see this in the NFL constantly where we've seen African-American coaches that are certainly capable getting passed over. And I don't think this is the first time and I don't think it's going to be the last time. So uh, what do you make of this situation and Brian Flores really trying to take a stand here? No, I think it's 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 serious. This is crazy. Um, I mean, I didn't think this. I, I when I first heard the uh, 
the reports that he even got fired, I was very confused. I was like, you know, the Dolphins went on a what eight game win streak, winning streak, came back from one and seven, almost had the playoffs, and then obviously lost a couple games, last couple games to lose that lose that uh that spot. But I didn't think he was gonna get fired or deserved it, deserved to get fired. I thought he was doing a good job, and then then seeing you know he's getting paid a hundred thousand dollars to try to lose, you know that why would you first of all that's just a bad organization right there. You're paying your coach to look bad because now in the future, how is he supposed to get a job? How is he supposed to look good in the future if he's getting paid, you know, a hundred thousand to lose? Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm an owner and I see this coach is 13 and 28, but the, you know, the last 16, 15, he was two and 15 because he's getting paid. I'm not going to, I don't know that, but I'm going to look at his record and like, I don't think he's up for the job. So getting, you know, that's just ridiculous. And you know, Bill Belichick, man, they're that's why I can't stand the Patriots. I just can't stand the Patriots. There's always something going on with them. The the Fleet Gate, everything. Tom, you know, everything is just ridiculous. And Bill Belichick needs to get his freaking eyes checked as much as his voice checked because it's ridiculous that he's texting the wrong bills and you know the Giants worrying about the Giants. How about you worry about your organization? Worry about what you have to do to become a better coach and get your team to the playoffs. Because you're lucky Mac Jones got you there. Because that last year with Cam Newton, it didn't look good. So first of all, Bill. So get that straight. And you know, I just think this is this is crazy, and it's it's something that we've been dealing with. African Americans have been dealing with for the past you know, twenty thirty years, man. Like it's sad to say that Mike Tomlin is the only one that's that's you know. Has been backed up. You know, he's definitely a great coach, even though he has won one Super Bowl, but, you know, hasn't won one since. But he's still a great coach, and he's been backed up by the Steelers board and by this, you know. So it's good to see, you know, at least one team is respecting African-American coaches. And it's just, you know, it's just something African-Americans just got to – it's just, just been dealing with. And, you know, I hope this is a step just like the Colin Kaepernick and everything that's been going on. This is a step to trying to switch the switch the, the program. Like, let's switch the flip on us. Uh, flip the switch on them yeah and my main con- well, my whole contention is this when you think about and if you compare this to other professional sports leagues y- y- you know baseball and hockey there's not many african-americans in leadership positions but at least in those sports uh just the overall personnel across the board in terms of players there's a lot of white players and in football the majority of players and other personnel are african-american so you'd expect because of proportionality that there'd be some more representation for those people in leadership levels and uh we've seen mike tomlin be a very capable african-american coach and you know going all the way back to tony dungy when he got the super bowl back in with peyton manning and that connection back in the day and brian flores regardless of race is a very capable coach and it's one thing if the thing with the Dolphins didn't work out because the reports are they had some differences about how to handle two attack of Iloa going forwards between he and ownership. That's one thing, but there's also nine head coaching openings right now, and you'd think that Brian Flores would be seriously considered for at least one. Now, we don't know with certain teams what direction they were going, but and we haven't really heard, and we know Brian Flores has had interviews with people aside from the Giants, but still, this situation leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but I'm going to go to Ellis now because he is a Giants fan, and this does does pertain to their team first and foremost so as a Giants fan how do you really feel about this whole situation coming to light today yeah I'm not really sure to be honest yet because I just don't I I like saw it after class as I was coming to crew just like reading through it so I didn't really like get a chance to digest slash read any of it I'm um, just being honest but like I agree with totally with Amir that it's a really big issue 
I just don't know in this case is the issue that just that bill. Well, let's see what the allegation. Actually, it just popped up on my screen. So out, Brian Flores, who's the NFL alleging racism and hiring, among the allegations in the lawsuit is um, Giants conducted a sham interview and Dolphins owner Stefan Ross offered him 100k for every loss in 2019 per ESPN. That's ridiculous. Uh, and if it was a sham interview, like that's that's also it's also like not it's not fair. And like you've seen this, I think the biggest example I came up thinking is Eric Bieniemy, who is like. Now, I don't know if he wants to be a head coach, but before, like, the last few years he was interviewing, he is more than qualified. He's at the top one offense for two years in a row, and no one's hired him instead of hiring the likes of David Culley and stuff like that, who actually, in fairness to him, did a good job, but then promptly got fired himself. But, um, but I mean, he was more than qualified. So, I mean, I think this is a known fact through the NFL, like, throughout the NFL, that there is um, racism in hiring. That said, um, I just don't really know enough about this situation, though I wouldn't doubt Brian Flores. Um, I just want to know the timeline more of, but I mean, the, I don't doubt Brian Flores. Yeah, and um, it, in terms of like the lighter side of it with like Bill Belichick, I just found it really funny that he confused the Brian Dable. Or, is it Brian DeBole or Brian Dable? I haven't been able to figure it out. I think it's Dable. Dable, okay, that's my thought. And Brian Flores, Um, that's just kind of like, old grandpa man Bill Belichick and then like Giants question mark exclamation mark like that was so that was so I was laughing about that when I was walking to crew but um but yeah no I mean it's good for it it's good publicity in the sense that it'll help hopefully well you don't know but it hopefully will help the NFL fix its hiring process which clearly is broken as Eddie you already discussed the Rooney rule yeah I was honestly shocked that Bill Belichick actually types with exclamation points. Because, That's exactly what I was thinking. And even capital letters. He seemed like the type of person who'd just be typing in all lowercase and just very reserved with the way he always is. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm interested by his texting style. But, um, Brett, I'll go to you last on this. I'm actually looking at Twitter right now, and Kenny Stills, former wide receiver, Dolphins, Saints, Texans, he, he tweeted uh, just five minutes ago, the answer is diversity in ownership, which I think is a fair point because... I like that a lot. I, you know, that completely changes what I was about to say. Um, you know, th- yeah, when have you ever heard of a coach leading their team back from 1-7 and seven to a winning record getting fired? When when have you ever heard of that? It's unprecedented. Uh, 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 it's unprecedented. Qu- quite frankly, it's it's a load of BS. You know, to keep it PG. Um, and you know, with the NFL and organizations, the way to change this starts with a willingness to change. Now, the NFL did release their statement in response to the lawsuit, and it reads, "We will defend against these claims, which are without merit." Now. This raises one of two things. Number one, why does the NFL think that they're right in this, that only Mike Tomlin is under contract, and I believe they only have 11 coordinators in the NFL of color. That's it, right? There are plenty of former former players, coaches who have coached all over the ranks. Dave Coley was an assistant coach forever, and then you're telling me leading that Houston Texans team – with little to no talent to, I believe, is four or five wins. And then he gets fired after one year, too. But but the Texans have been a sham since Bill O'Brien. So I, I'm not really surprised they pulled some stuff like that. But, you know, like I've been saying, like it, it starts with a willingness to change. I don't think the NFL is at that point yet. It's sad to see. It's going to take, hopefully, this Brian Flores case will push it in the right direction. But, 
You know, we we've seen it with Colin Kaepernick. We've seen it with uh, with the kneeling. We've seen it with now with Brian Flores. You know, it takes a lot for the NFL to wake up, and it's and honestly, it's it's kind of pathetic to see. The NFL just needs to realize their faults, move forward, and be like most companies in this country and have fair hiring practices and equal opportunity. Well, we'll see with um, we'll see with the Broncos because they just put them. The Broncos are up for sale, so. To Kenny Stills point, we'll see who gets them. I don't have, I don't have high hope, but we'll. I mean, you know, I'm not sure who is in contention right now because it's rather new news. But that's your first like crack at it, I guess. If you're the, if you're, well, I, I guess it wouldn't be the NFL's job. But, well, yeah, it is the NFL because they arbitrate that, so it's the first crack at it. The NFL is just terrible. Yeah, let's just get well, it. Yeah, let's yeah. just get it straight from that. Let's get it straight. The NFL is terrible with leading. Marketing. Listen, the only reason why, you know, like, they think they're slick because they want to always offer and, like, you know, hire African-American or Latina, Latina or Latino uh, artists to perform at the halftime show and everything. Think they try to, you know, you know, cover it up. But the reason why they only do that is because now, like, through I think three or four years ago is when they hired Jay-Z to, like, help out with that stuff. So at that other time, like. They, you know, that's just how the NFL works. Just look at John Gruden. Just look at all the the stuff happens on the low that you don't know that that comes out five, four years later. This happened. They got this came out like this and then come out two, three years later. This came out now. But that's another thing that could have could have been out for five years out of nowhere. This this story could have came out. We would have never know. So, yeah. And I'll finish with this. Like I said, it's all about proportionality in other sports. It kind of makes sense that these types of disparities happen because that's just the player personnel as well. The NFL, a league that is predominantly of color, you'd think you'd have more than one head coach in a leadership position. Still a lot of head coach openings, though, so maybe we'll see something happen and something come out of this Brian Flores thing. But big news, of course, with this Flores uh, lawsuit as well of Tom Brady's retirement today, kind of overshadowing all the craziness in the conference championships and the upcoming Bengals-Rams Super Bowl, which is now 12 days away. But we're about halfway through crew. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be discussing uh, our locks of the week and also previewing the action as Rutgers men's basketball gets set to face off with Northwestern in another must-win game on the road in what has been a pretty long road trip for this team heading from Nebraska to Chicago. So stay with us. Brett Hahn, Ellis Gordon, and Amir Lighty with me, Eddie Kalecki. You are listening to Tuesday Crew on 88.7 WRSU FM New Brunswick and at WRSU.org. Welcome back to the WRSU crew. Halfway through a shortened Tuesday crew today, Eddie Kalegi with Brett Hahn, Ellis Gordon, and Amir Lighty. And of course, you heard that music. You know what that means. It is time for locks of the week. And I've been pretty bad with my locks the last two weeks. I've been wrong both times. So I'm going to go way out of the box with my lock of the week. I'm going to NASCAR, where their season begins on Sunday. They reconverted the (laughs) LA Coliseum to a quarter-mile track, and they're running a preseason event there. And yes, there are betting lines in NASCAR. And I've got a lock that I've actually made a pretty decent lock because I think there's a pretty bad 
odds on one driver, and that's Alex Bowman, whose odds are 20 to 1, which is the 11th best odds. So he's projected to finish 11th in the race. And looking at his statistics from last season, he won two short track races, and this is a short track because it's only a quarter mile, including the most recent one. And he's very aggressive. He likes to bump people out of the way. And you're going to need to do that because they basically converted a football stadium into a NASCAR track. So it's a very tiny track. It's not going to be easy to pass people. So I think he's going to be motivated to try try to win he had a tough ending the last season but he was really good at short tracks I'm not going to say he's going to win but my lock is with that 20 to 1 odds you can pick him the way NASCAR betting works you can say uh, that someone's going to finish in the top five I say it's a safe bet to say that Alex Bowman who was so good at short tracks last year finishes in the top five and starts his season off strong uh, in the bush clash at the LA Coliseum Uh, how about we swing over to Ellis here with his lock so last week, last week I had a player prop with Joel Embiid over 31 points, and I just checked on that because I forgot to check on it. Always got to back your own horse, and Joel Embiid, 42 points, 14 rebounds, so hit that. Um, two for two on semester, about to make it three for three. I struggled picking one. Um, I struggled picking a lock this game, but this one's purely because I saw a highlight tape but early today of Max Struss on the Miami Heat. And he's averaging in his last 10 games 12 points and two assists pretty much. But Vegas, or rather um, this site, BetMGM, has him only for 7.5 points and only for half an assist. So he's going to get at least one assist and he's going to get over 8 points because he can shoot threes and he's bound to hit two threes and get like a foul and then hit two free throws and then he's over. So points and assists for Max Strauss. I know it's very random, but two for two on the NBA player prop. So, you know, stay real hot. All right, so me and Ellis have had some really, really random and kind of weird locks. Uh, Amir, how about you? What are you looking at? Yo, the fact that you went to NASCAR is ridiculous. But yeah. shout, out, shout out my boy Kyle Busch, though, in NASCAR. I yes. bet you ain't even know. I like Kyle Busch. That used to be my guy. Um, Man, I don't even – man, it's been a while since I did a lock of the week. It's been a real long time. And um, I really don't even like any games today. To be honest, they look all terrible because I remember last week I had a below parlay and I just needed the Miami Heat to win versus the Raptors. Ended up going in triple OT and they lose. Broke my heart. Broke my heart. Just broke my heart. But um, for I think for the lock for me tonight, I'm, I'm going to go to hockey and we're going to go Colorado Avalanche versus the Coyotes. And I'm definitely going to go to Colorado Avalanche. They are minus 600 money line. So... It might be, you might, you know, might want to take a little chance on the puck line, minus one and a half. You know, it's definitely risky, but Colorado is a very good team. They're starting goalkeepers, 21-5-1. and one. They don't have, I don't think they brought back Nathan McKinnon from his broken nose yet, so I don't know about yet, but they're still on a roll. They've still been winning. So my, I think I'm going to go Colorado Avalanche, and if you got $600 to win 100, then go right ahead and do that. But I'm liking that, and if you want to do a little three-team, I'll say maybe the Avalanche. The Boston Bruins versus the the Seattle Kraken, and then to just put a basketball one in, I'll put the Chicago Bulls over the Orlando Magic. You know, the Bulls have been playing really well. Demar Derozan, an All Star yeah. starter. I mean, that- yeah, we all know what I said in the beginning of the year. We all remember what I said. The the Chicago Bulls to the Eastern Conference Finals. And Amir, remind me what you said about the Lakers. Listen, listen, we're not they're, they're not out. <laughs> right. They're not out. That right, one didn't age well right. at all. Listen, that, that one maybe didn't age well that one, but we're not out. Don't worry, even if we are ninth, 
okay? Even though I'm not even an L.A. Laker fan, even though they're all nice, we're going to play in that playing game and win, all right? We're winning this. We're winning it. The NBA is just so wild this year. I mean, with how close both conferences are, there's really so many teams that could make the finals. Just it's very balanced this year, which I like because I was getting a little sick of it with Warriors and Cavs every year for like four years in a row. But Brett, what's your lock? Are you going NBA or somewhere else? I mean, we're gonna go NBA, but real quick, um, I took a gamble outside of my usual sports last week, and I bet on Rafael Nadal. I just want to give him a shout out because he ended up winning Gold. the Australian Open. Gold and you know. I whenever I bet on things they just don't happen the opposite usually happens but one of my friends actually won money off of him so shout out to Rafael Nadal you know he, he was my lock he ended up going the whole way and winning so I'm very happy about that for this week you know I, I was looking at the NBA games nothing really stood out for me I, I liked Amir's point on the Bulls you know they are playing the Magic the Magic are a weak team but for some reason maybe because maybe it's because of injury the Warriors are an underdog right now going into tonight's matchup in San Antonio against the Spurs. So this is going to be the first lock that isn't a favorite. Because Steph is out, Iguodala is out, Thompson's out. Williams nah, they, they still got it. Out. This is Jordan Poole's time to shine. Nah, bro. Jordan I, Poole had, was I supposed to have 27 fantasy points from bro, last night, and he had no 0.5. One, so. No one is playing in their starting. Wiggins is out. Why Steph out? Steph, toe. Toe? Okay. Hey. Thompson's getting a rest, and, and Wiggins is out. This is this is the time the Warriors show how deep and talented they are. are you Something crazy? that the Lakers thought they were they in the beginning of the year. Did you not see what they did last year? They were absolute dog water. They were terrible. It's a new new year new Without Warriors Steph team, my Clay. friend. New year. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jordan Poole. I don't even care if they had Jordan Poole. They were still dog water. No. I'm gonna go with them in a money line, and if they win tonight, then I'm gonna come in next week high and proud. Hey, if they win, if they win, uh, Chick Fil A on you. Uh, hey, that that's a deal. That's a deal. I'm gonna go Warriors money line, and I got something on the line for myself. So now I'm really rooting for him. <laughs> I mean, the Warriors—they have All-Star starter Andrew Wiggins on that team, and he's not playing tonight either. So did, I don't. Did, we heard that right, right? Yes. All-star starter. Yes. Thanks to the K-pop stands. But that's uh, crazy. <laughs> ridiculous. But, you know what? It seems like a trend on this show that we're doing better with these kind of out of the box locks. So maybe uh, me and Ellis will be lucky. And shout out to Rafael Nadal. Really good job to win the Australian Open. Uh, and now he's the all time leader in majors. So he's now one major and three vaccines ahead of Novak Djokovic. So uh, shout out to him. That was good. Yeah. That yeah. was really good. I got my math oh, that ready. Was that was a good one. I like that. that so was funny. Let's shift gears. We got another about 10 minutes or so before we start setting things up ooh, for ooh. basketball action. Let's talk about this Rutgers men's basketball team facing off with Northwestern tonight. Now, I was at the game with Chris Sakonis calling it on Saturday in Nebraska, and this team came out very flat against the worst team in the Big Ten, who were 0-9 in Big Ten play. They were down 31-20. Uh, Ron Harper Jr. really struggled from the field, which does make me feel confident because he usually does not struggle back-to-back -back games. So I think he's going to be uh, prone to having a good game tonight. Geo Baker had a great second half for the Scarlet Knights, and Mawat Mag had a career-high 13 points, really stepped up. They really missed him in his absence when he was out with the uh, mouth injury, uh, and he had to get the dental surgery done after the Michigan game. But Rutgers... Still hanging on potentially to make the March Madness. They need to have a really good run in February. 
This is maybe their last mid-tier opponent before things get really crazy playing against Wisconsin and Michigan again and Purdue at Mackey Arena. It's going to be a really tough February, but looking at this team heading into tonight's game against Northwestern, Northwestern, a team that's upset Michigan State and nearly took down Illinois three days ago. I'll go to Amir first on this. How are you feeling about the Scarlet Knights tonight and their chances here as they play another game on the road? And as you were telling me, they've actually been away for a few days now, staying out there in the Midwest. So I'm gonna be curious to see how they really come out tonight. Yeah, man, they've been they've been they didn't come back to Jersey after the Nebraska game. They actually just flew straight to Chicago. And as you guys, I don't know if you guys saw their social media page, but Loyola, Chicago, they let them practice there in their practice facility. So shout out to them. But man, I uh, it's time to break, get down and dirty. It's time to break it down because without this run, this is another. This is like the last game we cannot give up. So I think, you know, everyone's focused. Gio's been focused. Gio's been great. Ron's been great. You know, every time it seems like if Gio drops 25 or Ron drops 25, we do very well, and we usually hopefully end up winning, except that Minnesota game that was a fluke lucky of everyone getting career highs and threes and everything that day. But I'm not going to even talk about it. But, you know, everyone's been – I think everyone's been clicking a lot better since the beginning of the season. You know, now we got Dean – Dean Ryberg coming in off the bench, you know, he's been putting in great minutes, you know, quick rebounds, a couple points just to help out. He's a grinder. Uh, you know, Mag, like you said, came up 13 career points, uh, career high. He's been doing great. You know, I love the the addition of Jalen Miller coming in, just giving us giving that energy in. You know, I think, you know, this is this is definitely a time that we gotta it's it, I think we can win this and um we need to win this if we want to stay in a March Madness contention. So I think they're they're good. They're they're looking hungry and they're ready to get back home. So they're ready to come back home with a dub. And then I think uh, next game, what is Saturday? I think should be uh, Saturday. Michigan yeah. State on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Michigan State. So That's a big one. Do they go to Michigan State? I think they no. Come. They come. Michigan State comes here. Comes here, right? Yeah. yeah. So Michigan State comes here, and yeah, man, that's gonna be a big one. That's gonna be the start of the 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 start the of the stretch. So. But yeah, um, this is. Well, you know, Rutgers, of course, doesn't play well on the road. We already know that. This is a daunting um, Northwestern team. I know they're, they're second worst in the Big Ten, but they've had a really unlucky season. Um, they have lost to Penn State by four. They beat Michigan State, but lost to Michigan State by six, but that game was a one-possession game to the last play. Ohio State, they lost by eight, but they were down by four with only like a minute left, so that was close. Same shtick with Wisconsin. Same shtick with Michigan. They had a chance to win the game at the end. They couldn't. Um Illinois, again, as Eddie mentioned, they had a chance to win the game. They couldn't. So they've been in pretty much every single game. They've just gotten unlucky. Peter Vance, despite his incredible season, has missed some clutch shots, which, you know, Rutgers is good at clutch shots. That's what they do But um, with Joe and Ron. But this is going to be tough for the Knights. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little not less optimistic than Amir. Of course, Ken Palm gives us a 1% chance of making the tournament outright unless we win the Big Ten. But... Yeah, the, yeah, the fate it, the fate is in our hands. Yeah, because the issue is is that we have to go four we have to go 5 and 4 or 4 and 5. We have to go at least 4 and 5. Most likely if we go 4 and 5 we have to make a semi deep run in the Big 10 tournament, but if we go 5 and 4, we'll make the Big 10 tournament most likely, but the issue is is you got teams like Indiana who should be a top 25, Purdue away, Illinois. But you never know cuz if they yeah. Ken Palm is project, projecting us to lose to all his teams. So if you have, yeah, yeah. if you get like upset season, like, you know, there's a chance. But anyway, point is, it starts here on the road against Northwestern, who who's either a high quad two win or a low quad one win. Either way, a big road resume win. Um, Nebraska, of course, not that big of a resume win considering 
considering Nebraska's situation in the Big Ten. But Northwestern would be a bigger win, and they kind of need it. They need another road resume. They need another road win in the resume. They really they they're they're on life support at this point. Like it's beeping, it's beeping down. It's about a flat line, so they can't let a flat line. The key to this game is Cliff and staying out of foul trouble. Um, I talked about my keys to the game in Maryland. They didn't do it. It happens. It was just kind of that. Was also that that was a two game bad stretch or a fluke. But um, here's the key to the game. Northwestern has great bigs. Pete Vance. Oh, I'm I'm gonna butcher this name, so I'm sorry in advance. Boyu Bowie. I'm not sure if I said that right. I'm again sorry, but um, their bigs are great, and they they can stretch the floor. They're mul- they're they're multi talented. They're multi purposed. How is Cliff going to handle Pete Nance and Boyu Bowie, and can he stay out of foul trouble? And honestly, another thing, can Cliff get to the rim and get his touch back? Because he had the touch to be in the season. He's still playing very good. I'm not slandering Cliff, but the last four games, it seems like he's missed at least two routine layups, or not routine, but layups he really should be hitting as a Rutgers center in the game. So he needs to start hitting those. And then, of course, Ron Harper, Moat Mag and Ron Harper Jr. I agree with you, Eddie. I don't expect Ron Harper Jr. to play bad. One game was, he usually doesn't play bad for two games in a row. But Moat Mag has been a great surprise for this Rutgers team. Twice stepping up as the Robin to the Batman in Purdue's game. Of course, he was the Robin to Ron Harper Jr. in that win against Purdue. Without Geo Baker, of course, their second best player. And then this game, Ron Harper Jr. was pretty much... I mean, he had a... Like, let's just be honest. He had an awful, awful game. He hit that clutch three, but other than that, he had an awful game. And who was there to step up for him? It was Mont Mag acting as the Robin to Geo's Batman there. So, if someone goes missing, Mont Mag seems to be the spark plug. Because Caleb's great on defense, but rarely does he hit a shot. So, what can what can the bench, specifically Mont Mag, do in this game? They have a chance. I'm a little... I'm a little pessimistic, I'll be honest. Yeah, and my big thing, and I've been saying this all year, it's just crazy with this team, this Jekyll and Hyde sort of team between the home and the road. At home, they've only dropped two games, Lafayette and Maryland, and they've been underdogs three times in Big Ten play and gotten big wins at home in Michigan, Purdue, and Iowa, not to mention the win in the rematch against Clemson last month. But we've seen the Scarlet Knights team really, really struggle on the road. And yeah, they won against Nebraska, and yeah, it's it was a net positive on their resume, but they were outplayed by a Huskers team that had not won a game since December 22nd uh, and had not won a game in Big Ten play this year. And the one thing, I was talking to Dylan Allen actually earlier today about this, it seems like every game now, Rutgers just allows one person to completely light them up. It was Peyton Willis against Minnesota, it was Fats Russell against Maryland, and it was Bryce McGowan's against Nebraska. Obviously, you can't let a whole team beat you, but we've seen them kind of go away and just let one guy dominate, and that's not always the smartest strategy. So, going to be important for them to clamp down on the most key scorers, including Pete Nance. But, uh, Brett, I'll go to you. I mean, your feelings heading into tonight's matchup. I mean, I, I, I feel like we circle back to the same points every time we talk about, you know, Rutgers basketball. They, they, they come off a... Of, a win this time is against the Nebraska team like you were saying that hasn't won in a while Fred Hoiberg's team overall six and 15 they don't have a conference win so they're not an inspiring team now I feel like that game started with foul trouble and bad bad shooting those are two things that have been prevalent over the last few games that that I think you know needs to be cleaned up now you know I obviously with the shooting it's a lot easier said than done 
I, I feel like this team at times can be over-reliant on Gio's ability to create shots and Ron Harper's just overall complete scoring prowess. But, you know, Mwat Mag stepped up last game. He had a career-high 13 points. I, I think somebody on this team, like an Andre Hyatt's got to get going or just somebody to be that tertiary scoring option or that spark that Rutgers needs to be able to better move the ball, draw defensive attention away from the Stars, and, and let them go to work. Cause, cause last game, you know, we won, but I felt as I felt at times, you know, the opposing team was able to get away with a double team on Ron, pressing Geo beyond the three point line, and leaving guys like Caleb McConnell and Paul Mulcahy with Ben Simmons type space out on the perimeter. Like we dare you to shoot this, and and when they did, it it, it would miss. It played right into their hands. Caleb McConnell airballed two th- wide open three balls last game. He can't do that, and he can shoot it. Like I know he's not the great offensively, but. He's better than airballing two open three-pointers. I agree. And, and, and even some of those Mulcahy shots, I, I there were at least two to three of them that bounced right off the front rim and down. And that, you know, when you, when you have, like, your uh, weakest shooters in the starting lineup hoisting up the majority of the looks outside of the paint, that doesn't bode well for the starting unit's offensive uh, game plan and output. And, you know, they play the majority of the minutes on that team. Now – uh, Dean Reber has been putting up some solid, you know, spark plug production, few buckets here and there. Oscar Palmquist hit a big three last game. And and Ron Harper, you know, he he made his only three-pointer when it counted, and that was to tie the game with around, I think, like around five minutes left or so. And that's what ultimately, you know, fueled us to uh, that, fueled us to that final push to um, ultimately come out with that win. But it's just, you know, it's just about establishing your identity at the beginning of the game, M- letting the opposing team make mistakes, and then playing uh, playing a free and easy game. You know, you know that that's the key. I mean, just take things slow. You know, um, don't don't rush shots. Don't 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 try to do too much, and everything will be all cool and all good. Now, Rutgers, like you guys have been saying, is a team that struggles on the road. Northwestern is a team that averages around 75 points a game you know there there are no slouches their 99 record is indicative of a team that isn't that great but they have put up some competitive outings so going into tonight they are definitely no sleeper one last thing I just want to say that Rutgers really can't afford either Ron Harper Jr. has been such a great player we love the heart of course he's a hero with the win over Purdue can't be picking up all the offensive fouls four offensive fouls against Nebraska the big one against Minnesota okay we'll say though the ones, the Minnesota ones were legit, but the ones against um, Nebraska, I was watching that game, soft, soft by the refs there. I, like, two of them, they didn't have his feet set. I know Ron Harper tends to a little bit sometimes extend that arm, so, like, it it makes it easy for defenders to flop. But I, th- I felt like the Minnesota one was fully his fault, but I felt that Nebraska game, he had a little bit of hard luck. Yeah, that's fair, but also, I, and I'm not saying, I'm not, I, I agree with you on those fouls, but... He's also on the road, and he is on the road again tonight, and you know the whistle is going to go the home team's way a lot of times, uh, especially with the atmosphere. Now, we did hear from Jake Schmidt it wasn't very full uh, at Northwestern yet. Nebraska was pretty crowded, so we'll see what it is when we send it to them. But that's going to wrap up our shortened crew today. Uh, we'll be back next week. Of course, crew every Monday through Thursday, 6 to 8, Fridays 4 to 6. Four of us will be back next Tuesday, probably uh, uh, previewing the Super Bowl. And if Brett's pick goes right, Amir's going to owe him some Chick-fil-A, so. 
uh, we can wait and see what happens and with I'll that. I'll be right back here on Tuesday. Uh, thir- I'll be back here Thursday, too. We never did our Chick-fil-A taste test. Maybe we got to do that. Uh, we got to talk about that later. <laughs> we shall. We shall. We got we got a lot of weeks ahead this semester. But uh, that's going to wrap up today's edition of The Crew. Remember, you can catch them all on Spotify. It'll be posted there. Uh, for Brett Hahn, Ellis Gordon, and Amir Lighty, I'm Eddie Kalegi signing off. Coming up, Rutgers men's basketball, Scarlet Knights against the Northwestern Wildcats. Jake Schmid and Gideon Fox will have the call. Amir and I will be staying here and joining you for Halftime and Nightline. But that's all for The Crew. Basketball coming up next. You're listening to WRSU-FM New Brunswick and at WRSU.org.